You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. I am so glad to be in the house of God with you this morning. Uh, the thing about seasons and days and years is that they were created for man. When I say man, you know, ladies, I'm talking mankind. That's men and women, right? And all these things were created for us, times and seasons, because we cannot exist without time. We would struggle in our mortal bodies if we didn't have time. The Bible talks about, you know, morning may come in the night. But this sorrow may come in the night, but this joy in the morning. Because we need that ending of one day, the beginning of another. I love the ending of one month and the beginning of another because you know that something else is coming around the corner. And then I love this time of season when it's a new year. It's a new day. Some people are very righteous and, and they're very full on. They're very organized. And they will write down. They'll, they'll think through their times and seasons and scribble down thoughts and ideas. And they're very mapped out. I just, I'll just jot down a few things. I'll note them in my mind. I'll tuck them away. This is what I'm going to do. It's easier for me to have a few things. For others, you work better with a big plan written down and you've got some strategies and plans and ways of being able to achieve those dreams. Whatever works for you, do it. But for some who've never started before, I just want you to consider what is one spiritual thing that you can do this year that will revolutionize and totally change you, something you haven't done before. You've piked out, you've chickened out, but this is the year, this is a new season where you're saying, it's going to change. I am going to change. For others, uh, in fact, for you as well, uh, there's one thing for spiritually, but I want you to do one thing for your soul. That's your, your flesh and it's also your mind. What is one thing that you can change? Perhaps this past year, and in fact, for many years, you've been unkind. You haven't treated people well. Maybe this is your season to be kind. And people will not understand why. In fact, you'll be so surprised that it will become the ministry vehicle whereby God will give you an opportunity to preach. Because it's so radical. People are not so kind anymore. Try doing it on the road sometime. Let them pass you by. Without coming behind them and just sort of reminding them, hey, I'm here. <laughs> For others, it might be you're at the petrol station. And, you, and then that lady, you know, you see her struggling, and she's just paid for that. And before she steps foot, you say, I'm going to pay for mine, and I'm going to pay for hers. Number eight, terminal. And do it. Kindness. For others, it might be forgiveness. It's a season of forgiveness. When you have struggled to forgive, and you, and you just find it so hard within yourself, let it go. Just do the small things first. Just let some small things go. You might have to tell them, and they might like, whatever. But you just tell them right in their face. I forgive you. <laughs> it's battle. We do battle. One thing spiritual, one thing that's good for you. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you're a note taker, the title of today's message is Yes and Amen. And you'll see why in a moment. Yes and Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. If you haven't brought a Bible and you don't have a Bible on your phone, you can actually Google 2 Corinthians 1, colon, 18 to 20. It will pop it up. It's fantastic. Redeem it for Jesus. 
uh, while you're turning there. So yeah, we talked about the fact that where you invest, you can, you can actually get more interest. You're going to get real spiritual interest by investing in, in, in among the orphans and widows. It's a fantastic thing to do. So I want to encourage you to do that. Pay your tithes. You must learn to do that first. God will take care of the rest and then begin to stretch yourself this year in the offering. So if you'd like to designate some amounts to the kids, just put Dave Smithhurst. Or if you put Pastor Dave, we will know who you're talking about in the envelopes or online on Tithely. Just put uh, on the reference Pastor Dave, and we know it'll go to the orphans. All good? Okay, read with me 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. The word says, But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. Some of you in your spirit need to lock that one away because you've begun to doubt what God is saying. You've been saying, no, there must be no's in God. I'm reading scripture to you as God is my witness and you're following in your own Bible. It says, in him, in Jesus, it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, in other words, it's saying there are so many promises. Surely one of them will be no, but according to this, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Jesus, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. It's interesting in MacArthur's study notes, he begins to explain that the reason that Paul wrote this was that doubt began to creep into people. Doubt about the theology that was being preached and for whatever reasons. And we have those same doubts that we experience in our lives. Some of you have been contending for miracles that according to you and what you've seen has not come through yet. For some of you, you've been contending for a job or contending for promotion that still has not eventuated yet, and you've begun to give up hope. Some of you are already deep into hopelessness, that you've begun to question the very Word of God. I want you to understand that this is a, a same thing that we all experience. Tanya and I, we've lost babies in the womb. Very crushing. I remember the first time it happened, 1999. There were eight other young adult couples. And we were all trying for babies at the same time because we wanted to have a year 2000 baby. Everyone got pregnant. It was amazing. It was fantastic. And I remember that all, the, all the other uh, women, they were throwing up. But Tanya, she's not. I'm fine. I'm, I'm, everything's okay. And I remember on the ninth week, we had gone away to the Gold Coast. We were in Chugan, and these apartments are right on the beach. It was fantastic. And in a time of great joy, in a time we were relaxing, she lost the baby. And we had to go to a wedding that weekend. And I remember our old pastor, he's come here before, Pastor Gary, saying, how are you doing this? How are you here in this place? And here we are, absolutely broken. But we are there. No one needs to know just because we did not want to take away from a special day for a couple getting married. We have missed out on job opportunities. We have missed out on promotions. I remember when I arrived here in 1990. You might have heard this story before. 
but the pain is still real at the time. For one year looking for work, I already had a job promised to me in the States, and I was doing the right thing. I was a marketing graduate. I graduated with a degree in marketing, had a job for the next two years and a visa because I'm an Aussie citizen. So my future was set for the next two years, but my dad had a second stroke, and I knew, I felt in my spirit, the man's going to die. And I needed to help my mother come back. So I went with her. When I came back here in 1990, it was the recession we had to have. Paul Keating was the treasurer. And the unemployment rate uh, today is about 4%. Back then, it was 9%. I think it went as high as 11%. Before the days of the Internet, it's, it was very hard finding jobs. But with an unemployment rate that high, it was impossible. So in the season, for one year, I'm, you know, it's so horrible. I graduated. I had a job. I gave it up to help my mother out. God, surely you want to bless me in this. And I'm saying every clever prayer that I can to the Lord. I'm even crying tears, folks. I don't really cry. I'm crying tears before the Lord. I'm laying out scripture before him. Lord, you said it's good for man to work, so it's good for me to have a job. So therefore, God, you have to give me a job. I knew the prayers, I'm studying, I'm reading, I'm praying, and nothing is changing. There's no breakthrough a whole year. And I remember the Lord tapped me on the shoulder one day, and he said, Son, how long will you go around this mountain before you learn the lesson I'm trying to teach you? I said, Lord, I didn't know school was out. What are you trying to teach me? He didn't answer me that day, by the way. Just a little bit of respect, you know. And so I had to wait the next day. And the Lord said to me this. He said, if I don't answer your prayer, am I still God? That's a, uh, you know, some of you have wrestled with this and you can, by the grace of God, you already know. Yep, absolutely yes. For others, you're still through this journey. You're still contending with these things. Well, God didn't bless me. God didn't give me what I wanted. You're struggling with just the little basic things. You're struggling in your faith. We have not received healing when we expected it. I remember going through my first surgery and calling the whole church together, different people that I loved, people who knew how to pray. Pastor Newton, you know, he's a man of prayer. And other guys like that to pray for me, I never got the breakthrough. This uh, tumor that I've struggled with over the years, no longer struggle, praise God. Normally you have one surgery for it. And the record holder had two in Australia. I've had four. I'm now the record holder, infamous. Didn't receive the healing. How does it affect your faith? Is he still God? Last year, I lost my mother. I put it out on Facebook, said, you know, guys all over the world, can you please pray for my mom? Proverbs 13, verse 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So when your prayer is not answered in your timing, when your prayer is not answered the way you want it to be answered, is he still God? Does this change the way that you look at God? Bill Johnson says, don't change your theology. Don't water down your theology to match your level of disbelief or unbelief. Habakkuk 2.3 says, though it linger, Wait for it. It will certainly come and it will not delay. Some of you are struggling. And I know that greater men of God have walked away from the Lord because of this very thing. People have turned away from God because they felt it was a no. When sometimes it's a not yet. 
The Bible tells us of Hannah, a woman who was barren, and in a time in Israel where there wasn't very many career opportunities for women, but bearing children was one of the highest honors that could be given. This is a woman that could not have a child. And she, the, the problem was back in that day, because of war, most of the men were wiped out. They were allowed to marry more than one wife. So Elkanah had another wife named Panina, which means pearl. And she was able to have kids. And every time she had a child, she would mock Hannah. I mean, it's the cruelest thing to mock someone for something that they can't change about themselves. And on and on until she was just so sore in her soul that she wouldn't eat at times. And this particular story tells us that they made their annual pilgrimage for Passover to Jerusalem where Panina has just had more children and she's mocking Hannah in this time where they're all feasting and drinking and eating and, uh, and Hannah is so cut to the heart she can't eat at all. She ends up going to the temple and she's praying and she's so grieved. The words aren't actually coming out. She's not vocalizing anything, but her mouth is just saying these things. God, I feel so unworthy. God, where are you in my storm? God, where are you when I needed you the most? Can't you see that I'm being mocked? Oh God, aren't you there? Aren't you my vindicator? And she's praying these things. Meanwhile, a priest, the high priest of Israel, is looking at this woman praying and he goes up to her. He says, woman... This is not the time to be drunk. Morning is not the time to be drunk. I mean, the guy totally misreads her. I've got to tell you, there'll come times when I might misread the situation as a man of God. Not that we intend to, but we might miss that moment. Forgive us because we're just human. And there's, uh, there's this uh, the priest, the high priest of Israel, Eli, misreading the situation, mocking this woman and rebuking her in her pain and her sorrow. And she begins opening up a heart and telling the high priest what has happened. And he says, woman, God has heard your prayer. God has heard your prayer. For someone here today, you need to hear this. God has heard your prayer. God has heard your prayer. The Bible says she went back and there was a skip in her step. Something changed about her. The situation had not changed, but she had changed. And as much as, El, as her uh, panina was mocking her, it's interesting that word panina means pearl because pearls are created through friction, through, <laughs> through being troubled all the time. That's what actually causes pearls to grow. Hannah did not understand she was the pearl. And in time, the baby was born and everything changed because not only did she have Samuel, the Bible tells us, she had other children after Samuel. In fact, most of the women in the Bible who were barren after they had the one promised child were able to have multiples of children, including Samson, had many brothers and sisters. Does a not yet change the nature of God? I'm here to say God doesn't have no in his vocabulary. All God's promises, Old Testament, New Testament, are made possible and fulfilled through Jesus. But it requires another agent in the mix. See, some of you, I love what Gus said, you're looking at that oxen carrying the presence of God, and you want everything to be done for you. I really feel this is a word of the Lord for the season right now. It's yes, but you've got to do something about it. You've got to go after this ox and say, not on my watch. Take that thing and carry the presence of God on your shoulders. In this particular case, the Bible says, he says, yes. 
For every single promise, it's yes. Go through and read the promises. If you have a need in your life, the answer is in the Bible. There's a world out there that is so lost. They have no idea what is up and down anymore. They don't understand what male and female is anymore. I mean, I could pretty much tell you it's pretty easy. They don't know anymore. But you do. All the answers are in the Word of God. And the Bible tells us for every promise, every single one, that it's yes in Jesus, but the amen, the Bible says, is spoken by us. Are we the the amen or are we the, oh, man? Thank you. I I labored over that one for you. (laughs) Does he still walk on water? I will, I will give you, church, another chance to redeem yourselves. Does Jesus still walk on water? Does he still heal the blind? Does he still calm storms? Does he still feed the thousands? Oh, some of you let me down. Yes. Does he still perform miracles? See, some of you, when I'm preaching, you're thinking to yourself, I'm just here to hear. I'm just here to listen. Listening involves engaging. In fact, the Jewish people believe you don't actually listen. You don't actually hear until you do something about what you hear. In our church at Live City Church, I hope you adopt that. You know, sometimes we clap for things that we know is right. And you're like, yeah, I probably should have clapped for that, but I'm not going to. What if your soul depended on that? That you recognize what is right and what is wrong. And when you hear that is the word of the Lord and you're saying... Even if I can't claim it, I don't need that. God's blessed me. You need to do it for someone behind you, for the person next to you. Can you take responsibility and ownership over the word? Does God still save? Does he still love you? Yes. Yes. The prayer of Jesus teaches us to realign with heaven. When God says yes, we say amen. The Bible says in Matthew 18, 19 to 20, Jesus says, again, I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. There's a power in the gathering of believers. And you begin to pray together. You begin to agree together. Perhaps half the problem is that, number one, you may not be praying at all. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. For others, you're just alone praying. Don't pray alone. Pray with your partner because the Bible says if two of you, that's all you need, can agree on anything you ask for, it will be done for you. If you believe that God can do it, don't worry about the all, but what if, what if, don't worry about that. That's what the devil does. The Bible says in the beginning of time that uh, the serpent came to, to Adam and Eve and asked them, did God say that if you ate of the fruit, you shall surely die? And Eve responds, no, no. He says we can eat from anything in the garden except for the tree in the middle, and then we would surely die. See, the, the job of the enemy, he can't actually make you do things you don't want to do, but he can cause doubt. If he can cause you to doubt the validity of the Word of God, it loses its power. The Bible says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I want you to understand that in your situation, in your grime, and there will be new things in 2019. 
Yay, God. You thank him because it's going to work out your muscles, okay? You're going to get stronger. You become more powerful. You're more powerful in 2019 than you ever were in 2018. Don't ever look down on yourself and think, oh, but I went through. Yeah, but you're stronger because of it. You cried out to God. You knew that he was your source. You knew that he was your nourishment. You knew how to read the word of God for each and every situation. Genesis 1-2 says how when the earth before it was formed, it was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I want you to know before any masterpiece is created, the painter has to begin with a blank canvas. For some of you, God had to remove all that rubbish and garbage in your life. You may have yet to do that because you haven't surrendered it yet. Now he's actually got to take it from you. Because he wants to build you up, but before he can paint his masterpiece, he needs to begin with a clean slate, formless, void, nothing there. Your emptiness is the canvas for his masterpiece. There is this partnership that we have with heaven. That's the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, hallowed, blessed is your name. Your kingdom come. That's another word for kingdom minion. Another word for the king's domain come. Your will be done. It's one and the same thing. Because when the kingdom of God comes, when the king's domain is present, whatever the king wants, the king gets. On earth as it is in heaven. I've asked you this before. Why did Jesus ask us to pray for his will to be done if God is God and God can do anything he wants? I'll cut to the chase. Genesis 1, 26 and 28 says that he gave us authority and he's not about to revoke it. He wants you to say these prayers. And I want you to understand today, when you say yes to God, you are saying no to your own desires. When you say yes to God, you're saying no to your own skepticism. When you say yes to God, you're saying no to your own worry. It has no permission in your life anymore. When you say yes to God, you're saying no to the lies of the enemy. When you say yes to God, you're saying no to your own control. When you say yes to God, you're saying no to your own limitations because the moment you begin to agree with the supernatural realm, it is now ushered into your life and miracles and uh, signs and wonders become a part of your everyday life and living. When you say yes to God, you are saying yes to his desires. When you are saying yes to God, you are saying yes to his lordship. He is Lord. We love him as Savior, but we struggle with him as Lord. I'm going to demand your drink. I don't want you to drink anymore, but I enjoy it, Lord. I, I want to do it. No. Am I Lord or am I not? Either he's Lord of all or not at all. I want you to give up the clubbing. Oh, but God, I enjoy doing that. That's why I meet people. Either he's Lord of all or not at all. When you say yes to God, you're saying yes to his plans for your life. And his plans are so wonderful, it would blow your mind. Let me finish with one final thought. It says this, that all these things... The answers to the prayer, the yes, when you say amen, it will happen. Why? Because it's for the glory of God. In fact, the word says it's to the glory of God. God wants to answer your prayer just as much as you want it. 
Think about that for a moment. When you pray, half the time we're praying, trying to convince him. Oh, God, don't you know this is such a wonderful person? Oh, God, you should look after her. He's saying, I know that. I love her. What are you, what are you trying to convince me for? All I want you to do is say amen. I'll take care of the yes. You take care of the amen because it's to my glory. Joshua 23 verse 14 says, this is when he was dying. He says, I'm about to go the way of the world. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. I remember a gentleman once came up to me in our church, and I was an associate pastor. He had a violent past. He was a Tongan man, Tongan household, and he couldn't help himself. He ended up bashing his wife. He was bashing up his kids. He went to prison for it, and now he's on his final and last rope. If it happens one more time, one more report, he will be, uh, he'll be deported out of Australia. He was going to lose his family. He's going to lose his life. He already lost his job. He was fired from his job. There was nothing else going for him. This man decided to take a step of faith, a leap of faith with God. He goes, I'm going to pray. I'm going to contend for this one. And he came to me. He says, Pastor, I, I bought myself a delivery van. This is back in the early 2000s when Australia Post had, had uh, begun to sell off their delivery business. And contractors could bid for contracts, but they were hard to come by. Explain to me, it's not easy to get. And with my history, it's impossible. But I'm living by faith. Can you pray for me, Pastor? So then and there, we began to pray. We began to contend for these things. God, you open up a way for your, for your son. God, I pray you make a way where there is no other way. I pray that you do it so radically that people can't help themselves and realize God is in this. Here's what happened. The next day, he came to me, big smile on his face. I said, how'd you go? I knew the answer was going to be yes. There's a big smile. He says, not only did they award me one contract, they awarded me two contracts. By the end of the year, he had 15 contracts, and he had to have 15 drivers driving for him. By the end of the next year, he had 50 drivers driving for him. Contract after contract after contract. Now the man has wealth. Not only that, he was so broken and so moved by how God could answer his prayer, he realized God is real. He began to commit himself to the Lord, and he humbled himself, and he began to love his wife. He began to be the husband she'd always wanted. And to the children, he, he, he had to humble himself and repent and apologize to them and say, I'm a broken man. I come from a broken background. Will you help me? Because I want to be the best father I can be. I want to be the best husband I can be. God so radically turned this family's life around because he refused to accept a no. Why don't we stand to our feet as we close this morning? Some of you have been listening to the lies of the enemy because of disappointment in your life. And no has become the default when you pray. You don't even believe that God will answer your prayer because your default, God is already saying no. Some of you feel so unworthy to come before the presence of God that you are constantly doing that very thing I described. You are trying to convince God how he, you need to have it. You feel that you're behind the eight ball before you even began, that he's an angry God. He's displeased with you. 
I want to tell you that this God is so besought in love with you. The Bible describes it, that he dances over you with singing. He's singing nonsense songs over you because he's so googly-eyed about how wonderful you are, how beautifully handcrafted, how he made you. He's so proud of you. He's so proud of his creation. He's so proud of what you've done. With every eye closed and every head bowed, as I look around the room this morning, I've been speaking today. This might be the first time that you have understood the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That this God loves you so much. And he has a plan. And he has a purpose for your life. And he's calling you out. This morning you may be unsure, you know, if this is true. But if that's you, this is your first time. You've got butterflies in your stomach. You've got goosebumps all over you and you're feeling something has changed. Even the way you're thinking, something is different about me. For others, you have made that decision before. But you know, today you have fallen short of the glory of God. You barely know Him. You barely read the Word. In fact, you might have it in church, but that's probably the only place you have the Word. For others, you can't remember the last time you prayed. On this first Sunday of the year, 2019, I want to give you an opportunity for a fresh start with Him. It's okay to put your hand up again and again and again. I'm one of them. You're in good company. But right now, this is about you. And the Holy Spirit has been here as we've been worshiping and as we've been sharing such a wonderful presence of God. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. And I'm going to invite you in a moment to raise your hands nice and high. But we're going to do things differently today. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I want the whole church to pray this. Don't, no one quiet in this place. But will you say this prayer as we begin the first day, first Sunday of 2019? Dear Heavenly Father, I want to know you more. I cannot understand your love. You are greater than any sin. I know I've fallen short of your glory. But as much as I sinned, your grace was greater. So I'm asking you to forgive me. Give me a new heart. And give me a spirit. So I can live for you. Today is a day of new beginnings. Amen. If you said that prayer, and you meant it with all your heart, and you know this is for you, just as a sign to the Lord, out of faith, I'm going to invite you to raise your hands right where you are on the count of three. Everyone in this place, if that is you, you know God has been speaking to you. No, this is your time. On three. One, 
two, three. Right where you're at, would you raise your hand? God bless you. Right where you're at, just three more seconds. Keep those hands coming up. I see your hands. God bless you. Three, two, anyone else? One. Come on, why don't we give a hand to everyone who raised their hands today? God bless you. We're so proud of you. Don't let 2019 pass you by, but I want you to awaken the dawn. Take control this year. God is with you. It's yes, 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 in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thanks, David. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.